Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft, and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Ray Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Outdoor Line stream live on MyNorthwest.com. Don't forget about the live video feed on 710sports.com, and of course, the venerable, the OutdoorLine.com, with blogs, videos, podcasts, and so very, very, very much more. Joy Pyburn. Nice to see you guys. Robbo Ensley. How you guys Robbo doing? Ensley Simo rocking the uh, Grundens. You got you have your own like discount code for Grundens. Oh, I do, things. yeah. Was 20% it? off. Really? Yeah. Okay. You jump on my Instagram page, you can you can it find is, it yourself. Kind of like a Grundens model. He is. It's, he is. Very, we well, use the model very loosely around it, here, trust me. <laughs> it's uh it, it's Grundens weather. It's, it certainly is today, but looking at this week, it's we got killer weather ahead for winter crabbing. You know, we're going to talk about that a little bit throughout the show here. If you want to go out and catch some squid in Elliott Bay, that's happening. Uh, they're hitting them down off Tacoma right now too, uh, especially out in the boats right now. The, the squidding's been pretty good, and and it sounds like they're starting to move in. I know the piers are starting to kind of kick off in Elliott Bay. Uh, Redondo, Des Moines, and all the way down to Tacoma. In fact, you can jump on theoutdoorline.com right now and check out Marky Wass's blog. He talks all about it in there. Um, and we got a little bit of steelhead fishing as well. I mean, you know, despite the low water levels, there's some steelhead trickling into the coastal rivers. And in fact, we have Bill Meyer coming on from Bill Meyer Fishing, our longtime friend, and and kind of one of the hallowed guides out there in that Forks area. Been there a long time. Hallowed, He's hallowed. That's a great 625. word. Six twenty-five. Yeah. He's going to come on seven o'clock. Joel Martin from FishBaronoff.com. We're going to see what on earth goes on in Simil- Sitka, Alaska. Similarly in the, hallowed in the wintertime. Yes. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine what's going on up there right now. Dude, it's rain blowing sideways. I, oh. I, I, so I was talking to him yesterday. It was earlier in the morning, and it was just getting light, you know. And uh, it, and I call him up. I go, "Hey, what's up?" Uh, just dark and rain. And they go, "All right." You, you got to tell me how, how much hear, daylight. How much daylight you got right now? Did you he hear goes, the ice cubes going uh, in the glass dude. and a little bit so, of bourbon in, <laughs> sloshing around there? <laughs> in, in Southeast Alaska, right now, yeah. in, in Sitka in particular, he's they, it gets daylight about eight thirty nine o'clock and it's dark by two thirty three. Yeah, for sure. It's just it's a rough oh one. my gosh. Yeah. Dude. So uh, the reason we're having Joel on is obviously, I mean, you are you like me are are working on our. You know, springtime guest load, getting everybody up there and stuff, and you know, and he's doing the same thing. You're even tying leaders and stuff. I I saw a little picture of Emma Emma with a hundred with a hundred and fifty pound halo on her head. Oh, I have like two hundred fifty pound test. Test. shark leaders test. going yeah. together and everything, yeah. and and uh, yeah, definitely working on on putting supplies together for next summer. We're going to talk to Joel. He runs that great operation up there, fishbaronoff.com. For sure. And uh, a lot of folks from the Northwest go up there and fish with him in the summertime. So he's going to come on 7 o'clock, 7.25. Austin Mosier checking in. Austin's Northwest Adventure. Saw a picture yesterday of his cutting <laughs> table on the back of the boat with a bunch of fat hog mm-hmm. trout on it. Uh, Where did he catch him? I don't know. He didn't say on there, but he's going to tell us at 7.25 <laughs> what's going on on the east side. Because uh, yeah. he's getting into some big old trout over there. Yeah, that's exciting. You know, last year... We went over and did that fishery, and it was just, you We've know. We've gone over the last a, couple it was, years. It was, yeah. well, we went over two years ago, and it was lights out. Yeah. I mean, the fish are amazing. Huge. Giant. You got a 16-pounder. Uh, 17, buddy. 17. Whatever. It was 16. He, you have 17 he, in he does Oregon. That, he does we that actually, 17 and a half. Dude, yeah, it was 16. If I remember correctly. It was a Washington correctly. 16. A, you know, probably um, a 20 in Oregon. It was an Oregon 20, for yeah. sure. And yeah. then this last season, the fishing was still good, but the fish were smaller. Well. Yeah. 
It's nice to see these fish are all kind of like three, four, five, seven pounds. It's kind of not a fair comparison because we spent the first day on the Kokanee Patrol up in up in Roosevelt, right? And then on the next day, we we took our time getting down to you know where we did at Rufus Woods. So, but but still, I, I'm looking forward to getting over there. Because I, I tell you what, I'd be lying to you if just the thought of those things hot out of the smoker. They're wonderful. I'm telling well, you. Let's, let's save a little bit of this for us. And when he comes on 725, did you guys see the new archery record, uh, elk record that just came out of Oregon? Scored over four, like 403, I think 392, yeah. something like this, a cranker elk. Caden Titus shot it down in, in Union City back in September. Cranker elk, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, congrats, Caden, on that. Um, Got some waterfowl stuff going on. The avian flu thing, avian influenza deal up here in, in, in the North Puget Sound has been rough. In fact, we saw it over in eastern Washington when we were over there hunting, Nelly, uh, what was that, a week and a half ago yeah, or something? Yeah. Um, we're watching a flock, of, a small flock of snow geese coming down the, the valley. There's yeah. five or six of them, and one of them just falls out of the sky. Seriously. He's like, all right. Gone. See ya. Yeah. And just yeah. plugs right out of the sky. I and I go, and out, we go guys. nice shot. I didn't yeah. even hear them, dude. They're frigging half a mile away. Oh, I mean, yeah. They just dropped well, out of the yeah. block. I've never, I told, I've never seen that before. before the show, Joe was talking about one of his friends, a farmer up here on the north end up of Skagit County, finding dead birds all over the fields up there. So. Yeah, 25, 30 birds a day, yeah. you know, on, the, on their little lease up there. And so WDFW released a bulletin a couple of days ago uh, just making hunters aware of this situation up there. You know, if you touch, don't touch them, first of all. You know, wear rubber gloves, dispose of them properly. If they do go in the garbage, put them in a garbage bag and put them in the bottom of the garbage can. You don't want any animals getting into them. Yeah, you don't um, want this thing to spread. Well, and, 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 it's, and, and unfortunately, canines are particularly susceptible to this virus. So, and, and, and most guys, you know, they don't use a lot of dogs when they're hunting geese anyway. But with the random drop of these things out of the sky, you just never know. Your dog could get into one of these birds. So just, you know, word of the wise, be careful because, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's Well, your duck dog, I mean, these things are floating around a Skagit Bay, Padilla Bay. Uh, you you know if, if there's a dead snow goose over there, the dog's gonna run over there yeah, and try yeah. to fetch it up. And, and hey, you just Dad, gotta, look what I found! Yeah, I gotta yeah. be careful with that deal. Uh, talk a little crabbing. I mean, we got great weather today. Obviously, it's not that great, but starting tomorrow, it's we're gonna, gonna be perfect. We crab. got it's light crabby winds, weather. light winds, sunny. It's gonna warm up to oh. mid 30s during the day. It's gonna be chilly, but yeah. Great time to get out and get some crab. Oh, for sure. Dude, My and, pots and, are going in the water yeah. here probably beginning of the week. So nice. you, you look at a weather radar right now here in western Washington, and, and, and it's just like the Puget Sound basement, Basin is dark green, which means it's pouring. Okay, The east side of the, of the Kitsap Peninsula is yellow, so it's really, really, really pouring. The snow the snow's piling up in the mountains, too. Which is awesome. So when you get this kind of increase in flows in the rivers, and we've talked about it before, you get a lot of nutrients, you get a lot of carcasses, you get a lot of crab food, crab food coming down the pipe in, in, in all of our rivers, and the crab are there to meet it. Remember, this time of year, because of the temperatures, because of the availability of that food, you can catch crab in freaking 10 feet of water. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, seriously. when I'm out there shrimping, I see them all, all yeah. over the place in two feet of water. You know, yeah. big old giant crab. And in they're the huge of the night. this time of year. Yeah. I know, talking to Dave, I talked to Dave quite a bit over at Kitsap Marina, and he's just, oh my gosh, he's loading up on crab right now. So. You know what I heard? I, I got to listen to the show because I was traveling <laughs> last Saturday. So I, I tuned in and listened to the show. And, and, and what, what I really keyed in on was Nellie's mom's crab quiche. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, yeah. going to need that yeah. recipe because yeah. that yeah. It sounds oh, good. And, she... and, you know, when you get a lot of crab, you got to kind of figure yeah, out for different sure. stuff to do with it. Oh, so. yeah. That is, that's absolutely amazing. But also our, our dear friend um, Bob Buchanan cracked a bunch of it, too. 
And so, for, yeah, thanks for, for that, Bob. That's yeah. that crazy. So, huge treat. So, but it, it kills me because he took the body meat and, and, you know, got it in one package, but then he took all the thighs and stuff and put them in another for a presentation pack, right? So, so on, on, on Christmas, I like go into the store and buy dude, like I know, chicken like breasts or like, like chicken dude, thighs. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking yeah. Crazy. I saw his salad too. Yeah. And he sent a oh, picture yeah. of his salad. Oh, yeah. He's like, it's he calls like, him thighs. We're yeah. so messed up. <laughs> yeah. No, no, without the pictures doubt. that fly around in the evening oh. are just like, really? What? But, uh, <laughs> but, but the thing of it is, I, so I'm looking forward to, you know, you always want to have a special dish for Christmas. And, and so, uh, I, I'm going to make my halibut bake, but also I'm going to take some of that crab and do the love loaf and mix the crab meat in there mm-hmm. and just bake it on top. So yeah. you got that garlic so, Romano cheese. A little later in the show, let's talk about the love loaf. Oh, it's one maybe. of the most ridiculous things I've ever eaten, but, yeah. uh, let's, let's get to that a little bit. Uh, we got a little chum broodstock thing going on yeah, for sure. up at, uh, up on the Skagit river, upper Skagit. They're using tangle nets up there. If you've seen them out there doing this stuff, they're, they're catching chums up there with tangle nets and they're bringing them up to the Marlboro hatchery to try to jumpstart that chum run again. The, the Skagit used to have just an absolutely prolific Monster. chum run. And it's really fallen off. Like all the North Sound yeah. rivers that's fallen off in recent years are trying to jumpstart that thing again, like they've done on the Skycomish. Joe, you've been involved in that deal, and, and uh, that's been a success. Now they're doing the same thing up there. It's great to see. They've caught over 900 chums and brought them up to the hatchery, and, yeah, and that's going to really... I think really... their permits for like up to 1,500, I yeah. believe, on uh, even years and, and a little less on odd years. But that's going to kick that thing. It should. I yeah. mean, it, it's not going to hurt for sure. Pretty cool. Our river spawning conditions right now. <clears throat> Perfect. Dude. Yeah. Ideal. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to see, you're going to see the bounce from this in a few years. We've got a great snowpack. We've had cross your legs, you know, cross your fingers, whatever. We've had no high water events. We did not have that early October snow that we had last year, followed by Pineapple Express. So, so if this holds, this is really, really something to get fired up about. And and then just to, you know, fish beget fish. And, and when you start pumping up your natural numbers, that's really going to, that's the rising tide that floats all opportunity boats because so many of our fisheries, all of them, in fact, right now are basically riding on the back and the Puget, speaking of the Puget Sound region specifically, are riding on the back of that wild still a guamish chinook number and so if we can get get that popped up a little bit that's really going to help us um big announcement this week from the seattle boat show seminar schedule seminar are you on there 73 times i'm on there i've always been on there but more or less than last year there's a new uh more yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) well i you know george harris wants to see kind of new seminars coming out and so i got a brand new one um, that's Spring Straits Chinook that discusses Area Five and Six. Open it up, and 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 then that little that little opportunity we have to just swing out and do a little early bottom fish in Marine Area Four too. That'll be so, a popular one. It'll be know, a good one. As be that good fisheries one. become but more popular because it's one of the only opportunities we have. I would like to welcome the newest speaker on the Seattle Boat Show schedule, oh. one Joseph Pibernicus Senior, right Dang. here. So Joey goes, listen, I'm going to do. A bait PowerPoint. Well, I get a lot of questions from guys about how we process our bait and, and the whole, you know, the whole deal at raised bait. So, uh, I, I mean, I should be able to cover there's that. There's a lot right? of interest in that. Dude, actually. there is. Yeah. 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 Well, so, I, I and, mean, and there's a lot of stuff that maybe I can, there's some weird stuff out there about processing herring and, and I can kind of clear all that up and, mm-hmm. and run there's guys some through misnomers. the whole, whole process and they'll, they'll get to see yes. some cool picks and, and, uh, yeah. Cool. I'll be I'll there be, to heckle I'll you guys. I'll be nervous as heck. Well, uh, and, and it'll be fine. And so, but it's yeah. not and not just going to be the processing and harvesting end, but also the 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 
presentation sure. end, how to rig these baits, because at best, you're, you're out there trolling around for, for salmon, and you're using a hoochie, you're using a spoon. What are you doing? You're, you're, you're a bait imitation. Sometimes it's really, really beneficial to get back down to the big thing. So you're going to do a bait fishing presentation and also a straight halibut Straight halibut, yeah, yeah, and that'll both of those are going to be busy. So, uh, for more more information on that, go check out seattleboatshow.com dot com, and you're going to be uh, be able to check that out. And of course, that happens uh, February third through the eleventh down uh, downtown Seattle in the um, used to be Century Links Event Center. What do they call it this week? Something, <laughs> something else. It's the Seahawks Stadium, right down there, exactly. downtown. Hard yeah. to keep up. With yeah, I know, dude. It's stuff. like give me a break here. So Quest, Quest Field Event Center. Sorry about that. All right, uh, give us a text this morning. Um, you know we're uh, we, we know it's early. We know it's winter. We know a lot. Not all the people are up, but uh, but but hit us up two zero six nine seven nine three seven seven six. That is the Reverse Giant Hotline. Also brought to our Wellcraft Duckworth Northwest Boats. Uh, tell you what, Joey just got back from the Midwest. I almost said the Middle East. Oops. No. Yeah, he was, well, Fezzan back was, there. Yeah, let's yeah. go to a break and, and no uh, dive into that a little bit, Joe. South, you had yeah. a great trip, man. South yeah. Dakota Roosters yeah. with Joey Pyburn coming up next year in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line. Uh, apparently, I misspoke during the past segment. We have a uh, we have a fact check uh, heading our way. What? What, uh, what went on what there, on, Matthew? Matt. What went on, Matthew? It hasn't been Quest Field in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's been Lumen Field for a few seasons. Okay. Uh, was there anything else, or was that... Uh... You also gave out the wrong phone number. <laughs> okay. So let's... Let's try. Let's try text. <laughs> Good thing we have Matt. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. So so try 206-421-3776. That is the text toy powered by Yamaha Outboards from the 425. Hey, Joey... Uh, your blue label was mint this year, way better than the herring I've seen the year before from from a competitor. What's it going to look like this year? Man, we had a really good season uh, processing. We have some great bait put up. We're in way better shape than we were last year. I had to buy product last year from some other companies, and, and uh, we were able to put up quite a bit of our own. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll be in good shape. Anchovies. Um, what about anchovies? How's that looking? It's better than it was last year. Okay. You know, they actually put some up out there at Westport. Mm-hmm. So there's there's going to be some. It's still going to be pretty limited. Mm-hmm. They're going to go fast. Our I biggest... was just asking for a friend. I, yeah. so, I would never so, touch uh, an anchovy. I'll, t- but... I'll we'll tell you, directly. if you see some out there, yeah. you it. better grab them because mm-hmm. uh, once the season gets yeah. going in the spring, they're, they're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Our yeah. biggest Chinook last year came on a cup plug blue label. Mm-hmm. And it was a mid thirties dandy from the from the Columbia River uh, and another blunt chiding from the four two five Lumen Field Event Center. Hey, what Robbo? What fluorocarbon test do you use for hoochies? And do you use other leader types for spoons? Great question. I use fifty and sixty pound leader yeah. uh, fluorocarbon for hoochies, for hoochies and, I, yeah. and I usually run about forty pound mono for spoons. It's a lot more limber mm-hmm. and lets that spoon dance around back there. So, but that but that heavy heavy mm-hmm. mono or the heavy fluorocarbon, excuse me, it's really stiff. So it translates the action from the flasher to the hoochie really well. So great point. Um, and what do you tie your boochin leaders on? Thirty. Uh, forty. You do forty now. Oh, no in the sound, you don't need to go that high. But we no. deal with halibut like yep. nonstop, yes. little nursery size halibut and link cut and all kinds of all kinds of undesirables we call them. And so you're constantly shaking That's stuff. Rude, undesirables. Well, a little, you know, yeah. It, when you're targeting salmon sure. and you're I in know. the middle of the, yeah. the halibut nursery, you know, Dude. so that's why we run the heavy stuff. In the sound here, you got the dogfish issue yeah. in the summertime. So, 
you know, 20, 30-pound test wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, also from the 425, Bonner Daniels checking in. Heading to the river right now. Winter run, steelhead or bust. Bonner's Fish on Adventures. Good morning, Bonner Daniels. Bonner's gotta, been around a long time. Dude, yeah, man. we gotta get yeah. your, uh, we got to get your uh, bony little butt on, back on the show here. So speaking of bony butts and getting bonier and, and, and running to the Midwest... South Dakota roosters. Hours. You know what? It's a long drive. Yeah. <laughs> I There's put 2,890 20, miles wow. on my Subaru. Goodness. Yeah. But it was worth it. Pheasants everywhere, right? And you put 3,000 miles on Tug. Oh, man. <laughs> my poor dog. Um, I need I need another dog, <laughs> I realized. Because... Have one in the bullpen yeah. at all times? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to get three full days of bird hunting out of uh, a short hair. You know, you could out of a lab. Labs are much more hardy critters, but yeah, he got beat up. I, I've i never seen that many pheasant in my life. There were times when so many birds got up that you can't, you can't shoot. Out. Well, you yeah. could pick one out, yeah. but you might hit four or six hens behind mm-hmm. that rooster mm-hmm. and you just got to let them fly. Yeah. Which is awesome it's yeah. like wow yeah. amazing. all public land you weren't hunting hunting on a private facility or anything right no the the last day um i did finally run into a farmer one day i i, I punched out really early got mm-hmm. my three beautiful roosters and i just drove around and talked to some landowners and and the last day wednesday i was going to get on the road after a morning hunt tug was already beat so i didn't <laughs> got got permission on a little piece of uh private smack dab in the middle of a bunch of public so all the birds get pushed in there, I would imagine, right? Jeez, it's just yeah. like, yeah. I mean. What crops are you hunting I, over back there? So uh, corn and sunflowers. Wow. So uh, I posted a picture on my Instagram, on my story. and I'll I post saw it that on, last night, yeah. Like, I've never, the, the craw on this bird was stuffed. It was about ready to pop. There were so many sunflower seeds in there. And then you'd get other birds that weren't working on cornfields and there's a whole corn cob worth of corn in them, you know, and, and you, you open those birds up and it's ju- they're just full of yellow fat. They're just <sighs> healthy, fat, beautiful wild roosters. Uh, hung out, you know, went with our buddies Brock and Travis and Doug and, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody got their birds. Um, we had five dogs, you know, hanging out. It was, pre- it was just a, a really good what time. What a blast. I highly recommend if you haven't done it. Um, go you know their season opens up october 15th so imagine we're there in december and there's still that many birds if you were to roll in there at the opener i mean yeah what are some resources if, if people are interested in going back there, are there is there some stuff online yeah, or go, the state of south just, dakota they have yeah some stuff just online? go to south dakota's department of fish and wildlife and there's a ton of information south dakota is they yeah. they manage their wildlife very well. Dude, call Christy. Um, call Christy Nome. Yep. They, they have a, a <laughs> I governor. I got her on speed dial. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she signed my calendar. They have a governor who pheasant <laughs> hunts, and uh, and they're very, you know, they want they want people to come there. They, they want them well, to come there. And, and they release 2 million birds they, a year well, well, in South Dakota. They actively plant those crops yeah. as well. Correct? They do. Yeah. There's a lot of crops left for the birds, and, and – um, I, I don't know exactly what the program is, but I, I talking to folks, I know there's guys, you know, in certain areas who will release just 50,000 birds a year. Mm-hmm. One guy. Just a supplement. Raise, you know, just. Yeah. And there's you know, years it when. it takes a little pressure off some of those well, wild birds. And there's years when the, they got a tough winter mm-hmm. and the wild birds will take a little or, hit. So that or just, the spring hatch isn't yeah. great. So just kind of um, buffers things a little bit, but great program. And I've never heard of a bad hunt in South No, I Dakota haven't either. For and, and you actually found a VRBO 
that had like dog kennels and bunk house. Yeah, and yeah well, it's, it was it's just, just set up for yeah. specifically bird hunters. Oh, cool. That's what it's for. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. It was it was a great time. I'll be I'll do it again next year. No question. And about now it. you know it took me that <laughs> the first day you're kind of going out and scouting public land and, and I'm hunting, but not all of it is great. Uh, so it took a day and a half to kind of get dialed. But once now I'm dialed, now I could go back there and it would just be stupid because I, I got spots where I could take if you. If it took him a day and a half, Nelly, we might be there a week, week and a half. That's why you got to go dialed. let him go and get it figured out. <laughs> Point, man. Then, then what we do is we go back there and bring a bunch of smoked salmon. Listen, all Dude. I know, I hunted at Reds with him last year. Oh, yeah. And these are planted birds, mind you, but this pheasant gets up kind of behind us. And Joe wheels around with one hand and shoots the bird at 40 yards with oh, one hand on his 12-gauge. Yeah. I'm I, like, yeah, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And Ava was there. She saw the whole thing and looked at me like, Dad, you're a loser. I'm hanging out with this guy. I, I, was, I hunted by myself. We kind of all split up so we yeah. could kind of figure things out. And um, the first bird I shot, so I, I have a sling on my Browning A5. Yeah. Because when you're hiking a lot or you sure. get your birds, you might be six miles away from the mm-hmm. car, you're done, you throw your gun on your back. But occasionally when you're pheasant hunting, that stupid sling, I swing. Yes. And it gets it, caught on it, something. And it comes around. Oh, okay. And now yep. it's laying on top of my shotgun. So you can't see down the, the barrel. And, and I'm just like, ah, it's in my face. And I just like look through it and I shoot and I get that rooster. I was like, I looked around and I was like, oh, there's nobody to see that. Shotgun is Joe Pyburn's superpower. There's no question about it. Speaking of superpowers, log on to BillMeyerFishing.com. That's the website of our next guest. Let's go steelhead on the Olympic Peninsula with Billy next here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the FOMAC Tech Line. FOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques and SMI shellfish gear is simply the best. Bomac, we catch big fish. Oh, let's log the first Christmas music on the outdoor line here on December 10th. And also the first time we've had Bill Meyer on the show in quite a while. Log on to BillMeyerFishing.com. That is, of course, the website of our next guest, Bill Meyer. Bill Meyer's Fishing. Morning, How Bill. You do, Bill. How you doing? Morning, buddy. Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. You're either sitting in the diner right now waiting for your guests to show up or you're launching the boat. What are you, what are you doing, buddy? <laughs> well, we decided to to call the uh call the day and not okay. go. Uh it's just pouring. I it's 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 pretty bad. I don't know if you can hear the rain on the roof, oh, yeah. but yeah. I can see it um, on the radar right now. I'm looking at forks right now and it's 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 epic. Yeah. But it's yeah. kind of what it's, you guys need it. out there, Bill. Yeah. You you got you guys need a little bit of water. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and this time of year the the trick is not too much. Right. <laughs> so so uh, you know we're we're going to go tomorrow, but we'll we'll see how much rain we end up getting, what it does to the river. But it's definitely giving them a little bump, but still definitely fishable. The only problem is with the you know this time of year and the mm-hmm. slides on the bogus shells. Sometimes it can be a lot longer than before all the slides to get back in there to go fishing. So yeah, I'm pulling up river flows yeah. here. They look like a NASA space launch here on the uh, on the. Uh, USGS uh, yeah, grab yeah. now. You guys have been catching some steelhead out there, and, and December is usually a really good time to come out there for some hatchery fish. Um, you know, and, and, and over the years, I mean, it went from side drift into pulling plugs to whatever, and then it came, became a jig fishery, and now everybody's fishing beads. I mean, you guys just got the jig deal dialed in. Now are you all switching over to the bead program, or, or kind of what's the drill now to get these, these hatchery fish going, buddy? Oh, absolutely. Uh, lots of bead fishing. Um there's been um, 
it's, it's pretty interesting, like you say, in all the different techniques over the years to do things. And uh, there's definitely a lot of people fishing. It's just so easy. You know, I mean, as easy as floating jig fishing is, you know, you got one less thing to worry about kind of getting tangled. Well, I guess you always got the, you know, the bead pulling over the, you know, the mm-hmm. bead stop. And that can be a little frustrating. But other than that, you just you just cast as many times as you want. Usually <laughs> and it all started with, with beads that kind of matched the hatch a little bit, like similar to what you'd find in the river. And then they were a little bigger and then they're a little bigger. Now they're the size of like golf balls. You guys are checking some some big beads out there. Can you kind of run listeners through a little bit of the drill with the whole bead thing, like from rigging them to maybe some of the sizes and colors and stuff? Yeah, um, I use a lot of like 16, 20 mils. I don't um, go too big for the hatchery fish, um, and just just like um, 15, 12 pound fluorocarbon and uh, like a mosquito hook or uh, or an octopus hook. Usually like a size, you know, one to four, depending upon the the size of the bead. Um, and anything you can do to kind of secure that bead a little higher away from the hook, you know, maybe a sequence and, um, you know, maybe a bigger knot or, you know, and, the, and all the bobber stops that come with the, with the beads now work pretty awesome too. So that's, that's kind of my, you know, just like, just like a corky, you know, mm-hmm. just, just a leader with a bead on it and, uh, weight. And I mean, it's, it's, a, it's identical to, to float fishing with a jig. You're just using the leader and, and putting a bead on there and probably fishing a little deeper. Hard beads you know, or, or soft beads? A bit. Are you fishing those B&R beads or what, what kind of beads are you running? Yeah, yeah, running lots of B&R beads. Um, and and those, those have been awesome. Just just the standard, the standard colors, you know, running, um, you know, pinks and sometimes a chartreuse color once in a while will get them to go. And, uh, yeah, that's that's been, been the program. It's been working great. You know, and, and Robo brought up a great point. We're, we're talking with Bill Meyer, BillMeyerFishing.com. And, and right now, you know, all these river graphs look the direct opposite of our stock portfolios, right? And they're, So when you <laughs> see this, right, um, to me, that is absolutely the toughest time to get a fish is, is when that river is experiencing these type of epic rises, right? So what do the fish do? Are they moving during this? Are they just not that predictable in their behavior? And what do you want to see before you go out after a raise like this as, as far as a moderation of, of river heights? Oh, river heights, yeah. So um, the great thing about, you know, fishing the hatchery here is um, basically all you need is some visibility. Gotcha. And um, They're coming there know, anyway. It, They're going to stop right there. Yeah, and that's the, you know, it's not very far sure. for our fish to get there. You know, they're going to have sea lice on them. They'll be there within a tide or two max. Uh, they do move through the lower of Bogachelle and Quileute pretty fast and are um, up in the hatchery area pretty quickly. And so basically I just look for, for visibility. If, if, if the river's got enough visibility to fish, then, uh, then I'm going. And, and fish close to the bank. Don't worry about casting too far. <laughs> well, which, and, which and, and, handy. and this, you know, we're going to see a big spike. This water's going to rise. It's going to roll over. 
And, you know, on the drop, it's just always money, especially for these hatchery fish. Like Bill said, they're going to fly up that river to the hatchery. And then when that thing rolls over, man, there's going to be a bunch of hatchery fish and just going to be That's fun. On, that ha- that bushel hatchery is oh, fun, man. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't need to race down river. You just kind of no. hang out, maybe spend a couple hours in a spot and just kind of beat the heck out of it. And eventually they'll bite or they won't bite and move down to the next one. Mm-hmm. There's no need to be in a big hurry to race down that river. So. So, Bill, last week we got our uh, we we finally kind of got an idea what the seasons are going to look like out there on the on on the peninsula. You know, kind oh, of yeah. a, kind of a tough deal, similar to last year. So, give us give us your take on on what's going on out there and and how these seasons are obviously going to change your your game plan throughout the year. Wow, um, yeah, it, you know, I'm excited to be able to to do some boat fishing in the Soul Duck and. You know, last year we had the clow and the bogus shell as well. And, um, you know, the, the game plan is going to be the same. Just kind of follow, you know, just like we were talking about for the hatchery fish. I just kind of have a route that I follow depending upon water height, you know, that I found works for me. And a certain CFS, I'm going to this river, you know, and, and basically just working your way um, down through down through the river flows all the way down to the hoe, you know, is where you kind of end up when it's the lowest. Sure. Um, and so the one thing that, that I'm really excited about is, uh, in the higher flows is where things are really tough for us to, you know, do any bank fishing. And, uh, you know, I've gone swimming a couple of times and, you know, it's really tough to get well. a tip, really tough to get a tip out of a client. If he takes a step and his hat ends up floating, yeah. right? You know, and that lower, <laughs> that lower duck, man. Well, any part of the duck, boy, it's dicey oh, wading boy. through there, man. Bolt, just just ankle breakers everywhere. Yeah. So I'm glad they're letting you guys fish out of the boats a little bit. And uh, you, and <laughs> nobody knows how to handle steelhead better than than that crew out there. You and the rest of the guys uh, really do a great job handling those wild steelhead and kicking them loose. And then. I mean, this time of year, you know, you're you're fishing for hatchery steelhead out there, yeah. but man, we've seen some cranker steelhead come out of the bogey. Guys fishing for hatchery fish, and boom, there's an 18 pound wild fish that just blows up everything, you know. So you never know when you're going to tie into one of those things. They're super fun. Um, I mean, obviously, we all love wild steelhead, kick them loose, but man, just have a great time with them because they will tear you up. Yeah, dude, no, no question. Absolutely, yeah, and um, and there has been some wild fish already, which is always kind of a good indication. It's a great sign, you know. Um, when they come early, they seem to be a, a, a good run, and the years that you're always like, oh, they're a couple of weeks late, or you know, they seem like they never ever show up. But so it's always good mm-hmm. to see them see them early. So, and I think uh, last Monday was the first wild fish I saw. So that's the Monday before last. So that's really good. Bill Meyer joining yeah. us this morning, and, and and Bill, there's this new program out that's all the rage, and it's been working on the Skykomish, and it's now it's it started up on the Skagit, and it's called Brood Stocking. It's it's an amazing new deal. Oh, that's right. There was a yeah. there was a program on the on the Salduck and Snyder Creek where you guys had a wild steelhead brood stock program going on. Do you, uh, can, you can you tell me why that stopped and why it wouldn't work? And why we're not doing it in more streams? We see broodstock program success to the south of us in Oregon. We see tremendous broodstock program success on steelhead streams in British Columbia. What's going on, man? I mean, why did the yeah. Snyder program end? And do you believe a similar program could be beneficial to our wild stocks that are in the dumper of this day and age? Yeah. So our um, our Snyder Creek program ended here just because of the way that. W- 
our um, program was specifically the way it was operated. We didn't collect any um, returning brood back to the the hatchery. It was uh, a supplementation program that was meant to boost populations in the upper system. Uh, And and so what's happened is we had a a left ventral clip on those. And so uh, some people didn't even properly identify them or if they were out here, you know, they're, most people are really careful with their steelhead. They see it as adipose fin. You immediately take a different, okay, I don't have to, hopefully, hopefully it falls off before I net it if it's a big fish or whatever, you know, and, and they let them go. And, and so um, there wasn't a lot of people participating in the program, um, you know, as far as other fisheries, because, you know, you're back, back when the program was, you know, when we were using it, we're all fishing out of boats out of the upper sold us. Sure. Yeah, and uh, it take it takes a little bit of rowing technique to be able to go up there safely and navigate all those all those pockets and rapids and all that stuff. And so they're they're just a lot of people just didn't really understand how many fish were coming back on that. So it was and, more of uh, a logistics issue than it was a management uh, a management uh, par- paradigm shift. I mean, it was just a tougher no. tougher program to get done. I mean, no, because of the um, because the the program didn't really reach as, as many people, um, because of logistics, it, it wasn't as popular as it probably could have been. And then um, we were going to move the program to the Calau or the Bogus Shell. We picked the Bogus Shell because most people would be able to access those fish, and we figured we'd get more participation, you know, from the community. And um, so basically there was just a lack of data to show that the program was successful or not. You know, we had like, for instance, myself personally, my boat personally would outfish the gillnet fleet. If you looked at the data. Right. Um, So just, just wasn't, you know, just wasn't good reporting on that. And so um, of course in a hatchery situation, you don't want to, um, you know, you, you want to be able to capture fish and get them in as far as the steelhead management plans and stuff like that call for, you know. So when they're just out in the river and, you know, meeting friends and doing their own thing and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's not a popular deal. Right. And, and handling yeah. fish in a drift boat is a lot different than handling it in a sled or having a hatchery truck nearby. I mean, there, it's, it's a challenge for sure. You got any time? Well, if, you got any, you got any open dates, man? If, if folks want to come out and, and join you, Bill Meyer? Yeah, I, I do have a couple of open dates. Um, so, yeah, if, if if someone's interested, yeah, hit me up on my website. The one thing I will mention since we we're talking broodstock that's interesting, you know, and, and Rob touched on handling fish and everything like that, you know, just your catch and release statistics, you know, over a, over a five-year period, um, we collected like 80-something fish, and we had one fish, um, one mortality. Uh, pre-spawn and then we had two mortalities post-spawn and we were releasing those fish after um after spawning after spawning and so when you consider you know putting a fish you know we tether it to the side of the boat take it down the river put it in a tank truck it up to the hatchery you know those fish would go in there by the beginning of february um you know that's when we had to stop our take because we were specifically you know after the early time fish those fish would sit in there until April before they're ready to spawn. Sure, yeah, and it's you know, so it's it's pretty interesting. I think I think you know we're being very conservative on our catch and release statistics, 
which, you know, may not be bad since we really don't have a good handle on on the data. Yeah, and, really. and what a lot of people don't realize is in most hatchery situations, you know, particularly with salmon, you know, I'm you know, Chinook, Coho or everything else, they they kill the fish with a blow to the head and, and then that just releases the musculature and then you can get their, their eggs and melt out of them much more easily with, with uh it's yep. a it's a bigger handling challenge with steelhead because steelhead will have interoperity. You can you can let them go. They'll go back out, get recharged, and come in. And we were talking about it before the show. What an amazing reproductive impact these fish have. They only stay out in the ocean for another year. Those females come back with more eggs, and males come back with more milk, and, and away we go. So, yeah. Bill, thanks for your time, buddy. Uh, 206-697-2055, or log on to BillMeyerFishing.com. Merry Christmas, brother. Thanks, Bill. Thanks Merry for the time, Christmas, man. Guys, Bill. Enjoy this week. Yep. See you, buddy. Yep, take care. Bye. All right, coming up next, Raymarine Picks of the Week for December 10 here on the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the Outdoor Line Picks of the Week, presented by Raymarine Electronics. Don't just go fishing, go hunting underwater. Raymarine, simply superior. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Can't really talk over Nat King Jack Cole, Frost can you, dude? So, this is the one when I when I used to speak to my mother before she started sending crab quiche recipes to you. Before Thank you me. very much. This Marie. is what we'd always be playing when we decorated the Christmas tree, right? Mm-hmm. But now I can't speak to my mother anymore because she's sending you her crab quiche recipe that she never sent to me. So this is this is an I'll, issue. I, I'll share it with you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, well, somehow I'll try to forgive my Will mother. Will you share with this listener what pound test to run with a squid jig so it doesn't get broke off? I, 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 have to I, mean, men- look, I have to mention this is the Raymarine Picks of the Week segment. Yeah, right? I would I go heavy. Heavy? Heavy. heavy. Like six some pounds? Big, big squid out there. You don't want to get or broke off. Or maybe some tuna cord. Those squid jigs are expensive. Oh, dude, they'll tear you up, man. <laughs> Picks of the week, crabbing. Yes. we got great yes. weather outside of today. Uh, got, actually, good luck out there, you guys. i got some buddies out uh, heading out for crab right now. A little, little squirrely out there right now. Uh, but crabbing's been good, and we got great weather. Light winds kicking in tomorrow through the whole week. It's going to mm-hmm. be a, an awesome week to call in sick, get some winter crab. Uh, we mentioned squidding a little bit. Uh, the boats are killing the squid right now in Elliott Bay. Out in front of Des Moines, out in front of Redondo, and they're starting to get them really good down off. off uh, Nothing like a nice, brisk, cold, clear night on the pier with, oh, a, man. with a thousand of your best friends. And now they're starting to hit the piers. They, they've been yeah. holding in deep water, but it sounds like the bait's starting to move in. We're getting some reports of the piers in Elliott Bay. And again, uh, Des Moines, Redondo, and all the way down to Point Defiance starting to get some squid off the docks there. I talked to the gang down at Point Defiance Boathouse yesterday, and they said, yeah, definitely there's some, start, some squid starting to hit the docks there. Um, waterfowl? Man, this weather's been good. Now, we got light winds all week. It's not going to be that great, but still, there's a pile of waterfowl here. We've had cold weather basically for the last month, month and a half. Tons of birds around. Be aware, though, of the bird flu thing going on. We mentioned that earlier in the show. The avian influenza outbreak is definitely alive and well in the North Sound. We've even seen it in eastern Washington. If you see a sick bird or a bird that looks wounded or something, do not touch it. Yeah, and um, don't let your dog get a hold of it. No, either. don't in fact, let your you know, dog if, get in if there. If it was me... Don't take your dogs yeah. out there. Yeah, that's take a good your, call. Take your kid. Have him retrieve the birds. Yeah, there we go. That's, <laughs> and coming from the non-parent in the yeah. bunch right there. <laughs> Which is why yes. Joe doesn't have kids. That's, <laughs> that's right. right. Well, he may, may have had a kid. You know, we don't also, know. So, yeah. steelhead fishing. We just had Bill Meyer on from, uh, from the Forks area. 
Starting to get a few steelhead in the rivers now. I mean, we got a little rain here that's gonna they're gonna pump these rivers up a little bit. On the backside of this, I would expect to see some steelhead here locally on the Snoqualmie up there at Reeder Ponds. It's been slow. We had a little push early, been kind of slow, but this little little shot of rain we got here today is gonna take bring much. some in. You know, yeah. we get a little shot of rain, that water bumps up a bit and shoom, those suckers will shoot right up there. For sure. In the middle of the next hour, we've got Austin Mosier coming on from Austin's Northwest Adventures. He's been over in eastern Washington catching some big old fat rainbow trout so we're heading over there a week from monday and i'm looking at the long range right now so we're Better gonna bundle we're, up we're gonna roll over there on the 20th right and, and and be over there for a couple of days where the high will be a balmy 12 degrees and oh. the low will be single digits four <sighs> wow that's i'm uh, bummed i'm gonna miss that trip though that trip last oh, year was dude. epic man. yeah no it's a, it's an absolute remember, remember nelly cooking uh on top sausage of the- on top of austin's <laughs> heater <laughs> So he's got this big heater in the book because it's cold, man. Oh, dear. And you hear, yeah. and I turn around and Nelly's whacking up sausages back there and cooking them on top of it. And he left sausage marks all over the top of the heater. They yeah. couldn't get off, so they're still there. So if you fish with Austin and you wonder what all those, all right. those marks I'll, are I'll, on top of the deal, I'll, I'll bring some yeah. tin. I'll bring some tin foil this year. Yeah, no, 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 no question <laughs> about it. But we we are kind of looking at this long range of dry, calm weather. So we kind of you know which December typically falls into. So. I'd be curious to see where our snowpack is. I think we're probably okay, but dude, I'm telling you, I'm I'm very very excited about these about these river conditions, about the spawning conditions, and 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 is this an ideal waterfowl forecast? I would say that yes, the rain right now, and then the first few days after that, and then this is it's going to freeze up, and you're right. going to need to hunt the bay the fronts, bay fronts or, or the rivers. Yes. You know, those birds are going to have to go to water and just find some open water. Just had a question on the text toy. What do I get my brother for Christmas? I want to gear him up for Puget Sound Blackmouth coming up here. I would say spoons, you know, your co-killers, your Kingfisher lights, uh, your Gibbs Skinny G herring aid. That was a mm-hmm. nasty one. Uh, maybe some 5-aught open-eye sidewash hooks. We like to change the hooks out on those things. And some Gibbs flashers, you know. Downrigger balls. That's always a good Dude. present. Put it, put He'll it never a, know what it is. It, put it in a giant box. They'll never guess. Yeah. <laughs> They'll never guess. The, so what you want to do is is send them on a wild goose chase, right? So you put a little envelope under the tree that says, go look go look in the kitchen drawer. Okay. Then you got another note that says, okay, go look outside. Then you got another note that says, okay, go look in the plotted, potted plant, and there's this downrigger ball, right? So, you know, you, you don't want to put a downrigger ball necessarily under the tree, but you're thinking along the right lines. What do you have? What does every blackmouth fisherman need more of? Releases. Mm-hmm. I mean, downrigger releases. There, that's a that's a great uh, a, a great staple for somebody to have. Um, if you go down to Harbor Marine, they have those. And, and you're a flasher. You're you're a uh, flashy flasher guy. A pro troll flasher. You guys guy. are running those, those new releases. The magnet ones, uh, right? That's a great call. That's a great point. So go check out the Simon Magnetic Flasher release and what these do is they just pop the back of the flasher open right the problem with flasher gear is you it mutes the fight of the fish okay but it also you can lose fish because of it in this in this barbless i've seen more fish lost when that flasher pops out of the water Mm -hmm. and a lot a lot of time guys will just quit 
they, they think, think they the lost it. Right. They think they lost yeah. it. And they quit reeling. Or when that yeah. pops out, it just it yep. pulls on that hook and mm-hmm. bink comes out and you lose your fish. So those magnetic we didn't lose nearly as many fish last year. We season. had a great year last year and and it was one of the and I define great by the fact that we didn't lose any fish unless Robbie Tobeck had a really big one on and decided to go in the cabin <laughs> with a rod while he was fighting a fish. I still gotta explain that one to me. But but no and and but that's here's the deal. This time of year I'm I'm freshening up all, all my PowerPoint presentations and and it helps me to organize not just my thoughts, but also to make my game plan for the coming year that much stronger. And that's one of the things, one of the new concepts we're gonna we're gonna be talking about in Dirty Downrigger Tricks are those magnetic releases. So thanks for thanks for queuing that up. Uh, load up that text toy. It's actually getting loaded up, and I guess either one of the text toys will work. 206-421-3776 or 866-979-3776. Load up that text toy if you have any more Christmas gift suggestions. And Joey wants Joey, somebody wants one of your porcupine recipes too so we'll uh we'll, we'll we'll definitely be talking about that and we also got a got one more question about the 10-year salmon plan and a bunch of other stuff so we're going to cover that i tell you what though we're going to come back with somebody that's in the dark right now and that's going to be in the dark for a little bit longer because it is not very light not very nice in sitka right now our dear friend joel martin fishbaronoff.com this is the time of year you want to get on board book your trip let's talk about it next here on the outdoor line seattle sports station 710 and the seattle sports app